Good morning. We doing all right today? I hope you are. I'm really excited. We have a couple of weeks left in our Gospel of John series. It's been since like last winter, and uh, it's been a great, great series to go through with uh, you guys, and I hope you've enjoyed the Gospel. I hope you've spent some time uh, pouring over these scriptures and the life and, and days of Jesus and what we've learned from them. I was talking with someone the other day, and they said to me, you know, we, we couldn't have imagined what was coming when we started this series. They said to me, this whole COVID thing, it, it's making my family feel like we're just stuck in a holding pattern. Uh, we really don't know what to plan next. We don't really know what's coming next, and we're kind of anticipating some things, but it seems like we're just stuck in that, right? We're just looking, looking ahead, but not really knowing how to how to move ahead, how to move forward. We, we're, we're preparing something, but we're just kind of sitting in that preparing stage, that sort of thing. A- anyone else feel that way right now? You can be honest. Yeah, a few of you. I asked the kids, and they were like, yeah, we totally feel like that way. I said, thank you. That will help me use this in the sermon today. What is next? It's actually a really important question for us to ask. It's something that we should be constantly asking uh, within the church, within the, the kingdom of God, both as individuals and the church. What's God preparing for us? Are, are we ready to move forward? Have, have we ever prayed a prayer like, God, I, I'm not sure how to handle what's coming next? A- anyone ever prayed that? Or, or like, what do I do with what comes next? I, I don't know if there are holding patterns in God's kingdom. What do you think? Do you think God's in a holding pattern? No, do you think he's preparing us for some things? Uh, you think he's always been doing that? What is it, though, about our flesh, you know, our, our psyche, that, that kind of thinks that, well, once we get there, then we'll do something about it. I want to talk a bit about that today. Because I don't think God is like, well, I've got nothing for you right now, guys. Just wait till the vaccine. <laughs> At least I don't think it's that way. Believe it or not, John 21 speaks to this a bit. And so if you can't see, we're actually having a lighting issue because I think maybe the building could have been struck by lightning or something. No kidding. We're actually having a lighting issue. So if you're in one of those areas where you can't see, just use your app, okay? And the rest of it will be on the screen. We got it for you, okay? Say thank you. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, I'm going to go to John 21, and I'm going to read this for you. Starting in verse 1, are you ready to go? All right. I'll be walking in both the dark and light spots here, okay? All right, just warning you. After this, it says, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. So we're post-resurrection here, if you, if you recall. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we'll go with you. Uh, They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught, what does it say? Nothing. They got blank. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And he said to them, children, do you have any fish? 
And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, I don't know a lot about fishing. I'm not the greatest fisherman, but I know one thing. This is a very odd thing for Jesus to tell them because they're netting fish, right? So what's the difference of, you know, whatever, of, of a few feet? But he says it, and believe it or not, they do it. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Does it remind you of something that happened earlier to the disciples? Verse 7, that the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Now it dawns on him. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net, full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish, and this means like already, with fish already laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Again, kind of interesting. Verse 11, so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. It's the title of the sermon today. Breakfast with Jesus. Breakfast with Jesus, when Jesus shows up for breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. John's reiterating, we know this is Jesus. It wasn't a lookalike, in other words. He's building the case that Christ raised from the dead. And Jesus came. And he took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Father, what, a, what an awesome story about your abundance. But there's actually so much more to it, Lord. And I believe you have a message for us. May we be open to it and attentive to it. And so we ask you, Spirit of God, may your presence be with us just as your presence was with the disciples on this day on the beautiful Sea of Galilee when you blessed them. May we realize this too, Lord. May we realize that there are no holding patterns in your kingdom, but rather you are always working and you have called us to be a part of that. And I'm so grateful for that, Lord. So we ask you to teach us, just as you did your disciples in the days you were walking on earth, as we are your disciples, teach us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? I don't mind if you say that, even if you're masked. That's awesome. This is such a unique story. And the reason I'm saying that is the details are too specific for us to think of this as some kind of like random acts of events. Uh, as the seven disciples that are in the story go back to fishing and then Jesus shows up and he miraculously provides this unbelievable catch of fish just as he did three years earlier when he called his disciples to go. John is clearly connecting the two stories. There's something here. Notice, though, what is repeated in verse 14 as to verse 1. In other words, what we see in both verse 14 and verse 1, it says, this was the, how many times? This was the, what? The third time Jesus was revealed. John's showing us a theme. I want us to see that this story has quite a bit of symbolic meaning. It's certainly significant here. John's pointing out first that this is a new era. 
that there's a new covenant, the fulfillment of the promises of Messiah, and the ushering in of a new day. God doesn't change, but Jesus brings new life. So the resurrection means a new purpose, right? Not that it's a different purpose than he called them to, but it's the dawning of a new era. We see this throughout the story. It's a prologue to the Great Commission. John uses night and day analogies throughout the gospel, and so we see it here in this story. The night is over, a new morning has risen. He's preparing the disciples to go and plant churches and preach the gospel, just as he prepares us, always, us too, to be vessels used for his kingdom. It's a new season. It's a new season, church. It's always a new season. Something very unique about walking in God's kingdom. Things are always new. Things are always new. It's exciting. There's always something around the corner. And yet what we see in this story is the disciples are back to fishing. Now, I'm not so much knocking them and saying that. We don't know exactly why they went back. Maybe they just needed some breakfast, right? Maybe, maybe just they wanted to make a couple of bucks and sell the fish so that they could survive, right? I'm not knocking them for that. But maybe it was a lack of faith. Maybe they didn't realize it, but maybe they were struggling with what was to come next. We don't know exactly, but we know that they go back, right? So we can only take out of it what we can see in that sense. We know they go back. They're not moving forward. See how John records their labor. He's careful to point out how they labored all night without catching any fish, how their efforts profited them nothing until Jesus shows up. You see that there in the text? I can envision it as the sun is brightening the night sky. You know, before it's really come up, as the sky is getting brighter, so they couldn't really see who's on the shoreline calling out to them. Guys, have you caught anything, right? And they're like, no, probably quite discouraged. They've been out all night. And then Jesus says... Well, just put the net on the other side, right? Isn't that odd, right? These are professional fishermen. And some guy from the shore is, I don't know, taunting them. No, maybe they didn't think that. But certainly they probably thought it was a bit odd. And it brings the question, why did Jesus do things the way he did here? Why would Jesus not have said, I'm back, let's have some breakfast, you must be hungry. Instead, he wants them to see something. He has a message for them. He wants them to know that what they're looking for, they will not find on their own. And they will not find in the way they're doing it. So they cast their net on the other side. It's like that with us. We search and we, we labor and we stress. Often about the things we need. And we need them, right? Mostly for the things we want. And Jesus is simply saying to us, you will only find what you're looking for through me. And God meets us in our space. We talked about it last week. He offers us abundance. He doesn't just offer us some. He offers us abundance. The story is clear in that. Despite our failures, despite all of our stress, right, to get what we, quote-unquote, need, all that we're striving for, all that we're reaching for, and yet Jesus is just right there. What a picture of that in this story. How even though our thinking is backwards, God is still right there. 
and willing to bless. If there's, if there's something you take from today, believe me, take this, understand, God wants to bless us. He wants to bless you. It's something that we have to accept. But our thinking is really backwards on this, and we do this often even with our own religion, even with our own belief, even, even with our own faith. We think that if we just try harder, then God will hear us. Or, or if we just try really, really hard, then he, He'll answer us and protect us and provide for us. And, and maybe not punish us, that sort of thing. That's often our thinking. But we realize, not only in the story, but everything that Jesus has taught His disciples, that our efforts don't bring us closer to God. Instead, He appears. And He doesn't really need our help appearing either. Do you see what I'm saying by that? I think often we're in the mindset that we have to convince everyone else. No, Jesus appears. He's the one that does that work. And now in this new era, it's His Spirit that's doing its work. You know, if you're struggling to see God's blessing, and by the way, I'm raising my hand on that one too, if you're struggling in the days in which we're living to see God's blessing, it's not Jesus that's the problem. The problem is that we do not recognize blessing when we see it. We think and act according to our wants and our needs. And we struggle to see that God has always had something better for us. And yet we go kind of the other way. And, and, and rather than place Him in importance, we place other things in higher importance than Him. Like like our own way, like our own strength, like our careers and our agendas and our comforts. And, you know, it's a long list of things. This is our thinking in the flesh. And John makes the point. John makes the point that they efforted. I kind of like that word, even though it's not one. Um, all night long. And it produced nothing until Jesus shows up. Here's what he also points out. It's interesting. He also points out that the disciples, this is now the third time he's appeared to them. There, there's two other times he's appeared to them, so this is the third time. I'm doing the math right, right? That was a joke. He's appeared to them now three times. They've seen him twice already. But what does that say? They've gone back, right? They've gone back even after seeing him appear twice. Let me say it this way. The greatest miracle in the history of the world has happened before their eyes. Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. And the disciples are like, what do I do next? I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know if God can provide for me. And whatever is next, I don't think I can do it. So I'm going to go back to, the, to what I know, what my comforts are, right? And in this, I certainly see myself. I hope you see yourself too. We experience God's miraculous work in our lives. We, we see the Holy Spirit leading us to take the next step in life. We sense His calling just as the disciples did three years earlier. We're moved by His Word. We might experience this on a weekly basis, maybe even on a daily basis, and yet come Monday, we just kind of go back to what we know. And we wonder, is this really what God has for me. What are those steps? Well, may we never be a church. Church. 
that takes 20 years figuring out what's next. That, that maybe when things are right, and they're all in place, then, then I can serve God. Then I can follow His path. Are you more wandering through life than wandering in awe of His abundant blessings? If that's you, I want you to know that God, and we see it in this story, He's not, he's not sitting up in heaven you know, just with a disappointed face, shaking his finger at you. I am, but he's not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding about that. <laughs> he's not wishing that maybe he would have chose someone else. We don't see that in this story. Oh, these disciples. What was I thinking? I wish I could turn back time and go, go back three years and not have given them that miraculous catch of fish. <laughs> They're not doing their job. They've just gone back. What do they think? They've seen me twice. No, that's actually not the attitude, even though it's something that I think we all struggle with because I think on a daily basis we struggle with shame and insecurity, as we talked about in the last few weeks. No, what we see in the story is he just wants to see how great a blessing it is to be able to bless us abundantly in this life. I think what stands out in this story is that although we struggle with shame and even our approach to God, even though we go about it from our best efforts, no, God isn't disappointed. Instead, he loves us and he cares for us and he wants to bless us. I, I, I want to show you this in verse 6. Notice Peter's reaction. It says, So they cast the net, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, is the Lord. Now, now they're remembering what, what they had forgotten happened three years prior. Now they see. Now, now they recognize. Look at Peter's response. It's a it's really important. He, he threw himself into the sea. I would imagine he dove head first is the picture here. The reason this is so important to the story is that we remember it was Peter who denied Jesus how many times? And now on the third time that he shows them his resurrection, Peter dives towards him. The light bulb finally goes on. He swims ashore. He can't wait to see his Savior. He has a change of heart and mind. Why do we know this? Because we know in our own hearts that's not how we would have handled this. It's not likely what we would have done. When we deny God, when we step away from Him, when we sin against Him, it's hard for us to find ourselves wanting to be around Him and His Word and His blessings. We do something foolish and, and we neglect prayer and devotions. And then we avoid church or avoid our Christian friends or get, our, get ourselves away from doing devotions regularly. It's that sort of approach. And, and we might even do it by, by neglecting to really open up with one another. Maybe we're not neglecting church so much, but we're, we're just not opening up to one another. We, we see that here. But this isn't Peter. Peter. 
Peter has realized something. He's realized the abundant forgiveness and mercy of Jesus. The blessing of grace. He's realizing exactly what Jesus wants us here now. In this room, right here now, or at home. (laughs) To see that he wants to bless us. He wants to pour out his provisions. And what do we do? I've got to protect myself. I've got to protect myself, God. I don't know what's next. We better be careful. And he's saying, no, I got this. He wants to pour out his provision despite his past denials. Why do we hang our heads in shame and live in defeat? Not necessarily outwardly, but inwardly. When Jesus offers grace and blessing, why do we think our striving and our stress and our efforts will bring us closer to God when we know it's He who comes to us? Why do we wander away and go back to our old ways? Why do we take for granted the resurrection? By the way, Jesus is still appearing today. He is still standing before people today. He is still working in people's hearts and turning that light bulb on today all over this world. He's still appearing. That has not changed. You know why I think we do it? I think it's because we lose sight of God's love for us. That's that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. That He is the one who is pursuing us. I could say that every single week, and it would be important to say it every single week from here on out. Why? Because we have an enemy that's trying to hide that truth from our lives. We lose sight of God's love for us. That He is pursuing us. Ephesians 1.4 says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Us in Him. He chose us in Him that we should be holy and blameless. You know what we do? We flip these things around most often. We think that we have to be righteous and blameless and then we can go to God. And that's why we give it our best effort, even in the Christian life. We flip it around. We, we forget about or we miss what He is showing us in His love and His mercy and His grace. And we say, you know, if I'm just in the right spot, then God can use me in His kingdom. But that's not what Ephesians 1 4 says. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That means even before he was on this earth. It's incredible to think. Peter realizes finally that his holiness and his blamelessness is not found in himself, but found in the grace of Jesus. And it's why he's not ashamed anymore. It's why he jumps in, it's why he moves to Jesus. Don't lose sight of his love for you. Don't go back to your old ways. Don't go back to that old fling, that former love that offers nothing. His love is enough. His love is enough. Why do we wander away or go back to our old ways? Why do we take for granted all that he has done for us? Well, it's certainly because we lose sight of God's love, but it's also, here's a second thought, it's because we lose sight of his resurrection. It's because we need three times. (laughs) Maybe four. Maybe five. Here's what I mean by we lose sight of the resurrection. We lose sight of the greatest display of power and provision 
that man has ever known. You know, one of the most unique parts of the story is that Jesus appears to bless them with abundant, with an abundant catch of fish, apparently because he just wanted to do it. Now, and I don't know if he, he if they sold the fish and, and were able to provide for the ministry, you know, maybe for months to come, that's possible. But we don't get the impression of that in the story, and that's why I want to point this out to you. It appears that Jesus is simply giving them a picture of his provision. It's like he's just trying to remind you, oh, I don't need your help. <laughs> you need mine. And I need that daily. It's almost as if he's saying, if, if you need 153, I got that for you. Let me show you how we see that. Isn't it interesting that when they come ashore, we see this in verse 9, he already has food in place. He's already got bread and fish right out there. It says in verse 9, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And then just to prove this to you, verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. It's like he's just, if you want to bring some of yours, that's fine. You don't need it. I'll, I'll provide for you. In fact, what you're about to do next, that next step, that, that next thing in life, oh, your needs will be met. But just to show you, just to encourage you, just to prepare you, I want you to see that I have a whole lot more than you could ever imagine. And there's a lesson in it too. I think there are numerous lessons within this story. Uh, one that comes to mind is Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek doesn't mean strain, doesn't mean stress, doesn't, it, it doesn't mean reach and reach and reach and reach and maybe you'll find it. It actually is more related to relationship. It really is more related to Jesus sitting down and having breakfast with his disciples, which is what he wanted all along rather than for them to stress over things all night long. No, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then what does it say? And then all these things will be added unto you. I will provide. But here's the thing. He doesn't just provide. There's kind of a caveat here. He provides what's best. Now, immediately our minds go to something. What do you mean he provides what's best? Like, like riches, cars, big houses? Uh, immediately our mind goes to something. What's best? I, I know what's best. No, God knows what's best. See, we see that here too. Jesus knows what's best. Uh, why do we see that? Because we know that what's coming for the disciples is something really, really tough. And we can see that now in hindsight. And that might not be really comforting, but it is what's best. Why? Because clearly what Jesus is telling us is that I will provide for you eternally. It might be difficult. It might be hard. There might be days of difficulty. In fact, for some of these guys, they were going to go and give their life for the kingdom and the gospel. But why is it best? 
because there's nothing in this life. There is nothing worth experiencing this life that should take precedence over what we will experience in the presence of Jesus one day. Am I right? There is nothing, there is nothing that can take away from us the abundant blessing for those who are in Christ Jesus, those who have experienced the grace of Jesus, those who have asked him to come into their heart and life or have been living for his kingdom since they were born. All of a sudden, Siri just wanted to talk with me. Sorry. That was really bad timing. No, God has a plan. He's had it from the beginning of time. And guess what? He's the one who will see you through it. Stop stressing. Stop reaching. Instead, trust the Lord. Yes, God has something for us all. And there's a new season upon us. We can either accept it or, I guess, just complain about it. I'll probably do both. (laughs) But the question is, will we jump in and leave our past behind? Will we trust him? Or will we wander and wait and 20 years from now look back and go, Oh God, um, are we out of that season yet? When all along, we were ready to go. As I close in prayer today, I want us to consider something personally in our own lives. And that is this. What could be holding us back from taking that step? Or allowing God to... Who has prepared us, I guess. To really take a step in faith and realize that we're living in that season. That the kingdom has come... And his will is being done. No, we don't know what's ahead. But believe me, there's no in-between time with God. There's no holding pattern in his kingdom. Instead, he has given us everything we need to serve him and live in his abundant blessing. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, your word resonates in our hearts as it is right now because it's true. And we don't need to convince each other that that's true. You do that. You are the one who is appearing. You don't need our help. You don't need our fish. But we can bring them. Instead, you just want relationship. What an awesome picture of your love and your mercy. May we not give in to the lie that, that you're, you're shaming us into wanting us to know that your blessing is there for us. Rather, it's your loving kindness and your steadfast love that's new every morning that you are faithful and although we are not, you stand there looking to come to us. Or calling us ashore and saying, come, I've been here all along. I want to bless you. But it might not be what you think is blessing. But it'll be better. It'll be better. In the end, it will be better. And for that, you can trust me. Lord, thank you for that word. And for that truth. 
In fact, we are recipients of just how true that is as we stand here today because the gospel 2,000 years later has reached far, far beyond the Sea of Galilee. In fact, Jesus, your spirit, as it went with the disciples, changed the world. And although the world wants us to think that that didn't happen, (laughs) oh, it did. And now it's our turn. Now we're in it. And you have purposes for us too. May we never be in a holding pattern. Instead, may your church fulfill what you've called us to. And may we do that every day of our lives in trusting that which you have given us in our future that is to come, whatever comes, in your hands. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.